Um, so I was reading this article the other day and it was talking about transparency and vulnerability. And the article was written to and for pastors. And it was talking about how how transparent should we be as pastors or how vulnerable we should be. And I thought it was really interesting. And I think I read it like three, four days and three, four days before you, Matt, texted me. You texted me late at yeah. night and you said, hey, you got to listen to this podcast. So you sent me a link to this podcast. What's it called? It's called? Flying Coach. So, yeah. yeah, real quick, like 20 seconds. Give Tell us 20 seconds. Yeah, we're going to do a podcast about a podcast, it seems like, today. But uh, So Flying Coach is a, is a really interesting podcast that actually just, because of this pandemic, has popped up. And it's um, Steve Kerr and Pete. Carroll, who are head coaches of professional teams, one football, the NFL, and the other one, and NBA, uh, both have won world championships. Um, uh, Pete Carroll's even won national championships in college. And so uh, they're kind of unlikely friends, um, but it's them doing Zoom calls and just kind of breaking down awesome things that me and Cedric love, like leadership and what to do when here or when you make a big mistake. And so and they're very, very candid as they both are, so it's a it's a pretty interesting listen. Yeah, so you sent me that, and you said, hey, you have to listen to this podcast. And you texted me late at night, like we most of our conversations are late at night. But you sent me that, and <laughs> my initial reaction was like, Matt, please stop. I don't need another thing <laughs> to listen to. I don't need something else to watch. I don't need another article to read or another book to read. So that was my initial reaction. And I think, like, I don't even think I responded to you that night. I think the next day I actually had, like, a little, like, 25-minute commute. I was going to a meeting, and I was like, eh, I'll listen to it. And I just picked one of the episodes at random, which I never do. I always start at the beginning. I don't know why I did that. <clears throat> but I picked the episode, and it was Steve Kerr and Pete Carroll talking about how Pete had brought in this lady. Her name was Brene Brown, and she was talking about, from a coaching perspective, why it's so important for coaches and leaders to be transparent and be willing to be vulnerable. So immediately, my my intentions peaked because, like I said, I just got done reading this article, and it got me thinking, okay, she's saying some things that this other article was talking about in reference to pastors, and then I said, okay, well, maybe we need to talk about this. This will be, this will be good to talk about. And... The gist of it is, I guess the one line that really got me was, um, it was it was a quote, and, and she said, vulnerability is not weakness, it's our most accurate measure of courage. So it got me thinking, like, okay, that is a, that's, that's an interesting statement to make, especially when you say accurate measure, and then you use the word courage. So vulnerability and courage don't always go in the same sentence, like mm -hmm. we don't think about them in the same way. And I started to think about the article in which you saying in different times where I have been transparent or vulnerable, especially through preaching on a stage, which is a very, very scary process to go through is to stand on stage and be willing to and be open about, obviously, in my case, a particular struggle or sin. Um, and I really had some time to think about that statement, and I thought, wow, that it, that actually does take a lot of courage. It does take a lot of courage to to be vulnerable and to be transparent in that way. So I guess that's kind of like 
an introduction, I guess, is we're just going to jump into. So I know that we're, uh, you know, both dudes, you know, we, uh, uh, fellers, whatever you want to call us. Uh, we, uh, so the big, that big V word vulnerability or transparency sometimes, a lot of times is a scary thing just because uh, I think, you know, I think for me personally, human nature is to protect myself and my persona that I think I have or my reputation that I think I've built. Um, and, and so, you know, initially all that's sometimes can be a, a battle when we talk about vulnerability or openness. Um, and there's all these, always the other side of the coin where, you know, you had that friend that's too vulnerable and open and, you know, they call you and they say, Oh man, can you come over and hang out tonight? And it's like, Oh man, I get my energy up tonight because I'm about to get unloaded of 45 pounds on my shoulder of their problems and what's wrong and nothing's right. And, and, and so I always thought it was interesting. The people who communicate well from the pulpit or from, you know, any kind of media uh, position, how to balance like true vulnerability where it's authentic and it's not just, uh, you know, chasing an emotion. Um, I think that's a big issue or big, not issue, I won't say, but I think that's a big struggle because uh, vulnerability and openness is a, uh, is a fuel that you can burn very quickly and burn out of. And then what do you have left? So what's the substance behind it? Yeah. And the other thing too, like when you talk about leaderships, like, or being in a leadership position, you know, being an authentic leader is, I mean, it's, it's not negotiable anymore. Like you have to be authentic as a leader <clears throat> and people want to see the real you. They, they want to, they want to have a window into your weaknesses, your mistakes, your vulnerabilities. Um, in a lot of ways they need, they need that transparency to, to connect. So um, I was thinking the, the first time I remember the first time that I battled with how vulnerable I was allowed to be or didn't know I was allowed to be and actually didn't come in a preaching format. It was in it was in a staff meeting. And I remember we were, we were walking through something and this was a couple of years ago. And this emotion was kind of building up in me. And I knew I was going to have to say something about what we were talking about. And I was thinking about how can I accurately express exactly what's going on and I was thinking about this and I knew that one of the ways that I could do that was to use a very to use a specific cuss word and I was like okay you know what like am I can I do this like am I am I allowed to am I allowed to express myself this way and I thought you know what I'm just gonna go for it so I remember we were talking about it and and obviously you know it, it was it was super conversation. And I remember I, I said what I said and I immediately like kind of like cringed, like, okay, I'm I'm stepping out on a limb, I'm saying this because this is the accurate way that I could express this. And there was like what felt like a very long period of time, but it wasn't a very long period of time. Like this like like this the air was sucked out of the room for a second. Mm-hmm. And immediately everybody around the table looked at me with like Thank you. That's exactly how I feel as well. And I thought, oh, well, okay, that's great. You need to keep in mind, like this is a couple of years ago. We have a number of uh, older gentlemen, we can, we'll call them that, uh, who were on our staff and seasoned. Yeah, seasoned guys from a different generation. Where we're talking about, you know, a round table of pastors, where that would have been 
maybe a cause to lose your job. I don't know. But um, I thought, man, it's just, it was interesting to see that reaction. And I think what they reacted to wasn't what I said. They reacted to the fact that I was brave enough to show that level of vulnerability and say what I said. And yeah. it was almost like the equivalent of the way they looked at me. It was like they were all giving me a hug and was like, thank you for saying what you said. Yeah, and like, you know, and I, to me, like to be clear, hopefully in this with, with what you said, like this is not us advocating like, you know, go around and cuss if you feel like no. you're having a bad day. No, we're not advocating um, ratchetness. Yeah, no, and that, that's the thing. <laughs> but, you know, for me, uh, you know, and what I do and, and how I communicate with referral partners or speak at conferences it's really funny when I can tell you a story that uh, I had uh, one of the first times I was at a conference and I was out of college and um, actually had a small little speaking part that my dad had given me. Um, but I was at a conference the whole weekend and, you know, it's kind of like your first day as a big boy. Like you're at a conference, you're dressed up and you're in a different city. And so I'm just like, just wide eyed, just like, oh man, I'm going to learn so much, whatever. It's going to be great. And they had this, this uh, keynote speaker and I can't remember his name. Uh, and he came up, and so I got my little notebook, and I'm ready to learn about how to be a better businessman and whatever. And this guy talked for 40 minutes. He probably dropped the F-bomb 300 times in 40 minutes. Jeez. And he was loud, and he was brash, and cussed literally multiple times every sentence. And what was funny was, or what was interesting at least, I should say, is he ended his talk about, and he explained what he did and why he did it. He was like, I have learned that communicating, when we communicate with each other, especially when I communicate to a group of people, if I have the 3 p.m. slot on the first day, everybody's punch drunk. And I changed my way of communication to startle people, and now you know what I said because I cussed like a like a sailor. Huh. And, and so his... His, even though it wasn't, I wouldn't consider it vulnerable, but it just especially what we talked about with you, like he was meeting the need of the room brashly, but every person afterwards went, oh my gosh, he got me. Yeah, I, I sat there, if not just in awe at his brash style, I know what you said. I'm going to remember what you said because you did it. And that's not to, and, and his thing was like, this isn't to say that you walk on your next board meeting and just start cussing everybody out. But his his whole point was like understanding who you're talking to, when you're talking to them, and how you need to get a point across. And sometimes it it needs like a, a teary-eyed story that draws them in. And sometimes I need to cuss a lot, and that that brings the room together. And, and so I just for me, just going off of your point, like is even though it was pre-planned, it was kind of authentic in the way that he was like, I'm doing this for effect. Like, this is what you guys needed to hear to, to actually listen to me late in the afternoon when you guys are all probably ready to go to your room or ready to figure out your dinner plans. And um, I'll never forget that. That was literally the first time I'd ever um, uh, been out. But it, it's it's one of those things for me when I speak, like, as I've gotten older, done more of it, searching for authenticity and transparency is tough um, because for me, my my BS meter is high. I know when a guy is gearing up to tell me the tearjerker about the, you know, this thing. And I know that, you know, 
you know too as a pastor when it's going to be the the crescendo of a sermon it's like how do you think how do you prepare for that or how do you inject that into your teaching week in and out and not make it formulaic where it's like you get to the end of your sermon or your teaching you go well you know there once was a boy and he had a dog named pete and like it becomes formulaic sometimes and that's when it becomes inauthentic yeah so i guess to to lay it out correctly i think the whole idea of transparency and vulnerability for me started when i was either told or picked to preach a certain thing and I didn't feel comfortable preaching it because I hadn't gone through the process myself, meaning I either I was still struggling with a particular sin or maybe wrestling with the truth of what the scripture was saying or even wrestling to understand it. And so for me, I was like, wait a second, I can't preach this because it's going to make me inauthentic because I, I'm, I'm still having some issues with this thing. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is, you know, people, people admire your strength, but they identify with your weaknesses. So I know that there's going to come a time where I need to be open and be vulnerable and be transparent about a particular weakness because that's going to be a point of connection. Like you just said, the guy used his language to connect, to, to get the attention. And it's, it's a, it's a fine line when you're talking about preaching, because <clears throat> you don't want it to be formulaic. You don't want it to be like, okay, you know what? Every message I preach is going to have this section where I, you know, I want people to cry or I want them to be like, you know, oh, he's the woe is me pastor. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't want to present myself as, oh, by the way, I'm the pastor. I've got it all together. So you know, you go figure it out. This was easy. Yeah. I did this when it was easy. Yes. Yeah, prayed about it and then we were done. Absolutely. And you go figure it out and then once you figure it out, come back and then we'll, you know, we'll move on to our next to our to our next teaching series. So so it's it's this it's this it's all of that together, like like working through through those things. And the way that I I've processed it, the way I do it now is I say, okay, you know what? Transparency and vulnerability is a key to connecting with the audience because we're all human beings. We're all, you know, we're, we're followers of Christ and we're trying to get to the same place. We're, we're working on the same thing. We're trying to get to the same goal. And I, as a spiritual leader, know that I have a platform to where I could speak into this specifically and I've gone through it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be open, honest, and vulnerable and transparent about my process. And in fact, I don't share anything from the stage about myself in by way of transparency and vulnerability until I've gone through it start to finish. Uh, and I think that that's, I think that's the wise thing to do. can be in the do. middle of the storm. Yeah. Then it's confessional. Nah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> then it gets raw real quick. Yeah. And... It's, it's a confessional and it becomes, you know, like you, I think you used the word um, translucent. Like it becomes like, well, it isn't about about helping anybody anymore it's it's about wait is this is this pastor just choosing this moment to confess to us all of these things yeah like like for me i think at least in my mind how i work it out with transparency is like actually physical transparency i remember the you know back when i was in junior high and and even beginning of high school I, i actually had high school teachers that still used like the old school transparency overhead thing and they put a piece of 
you know, clear paper with some graphs on it. You do math class, a lot of illustrations and like geometry with it. And that's a transparency. And the idea is that the, the clarity of that piece of paper allows for you to focus on the actual lines or teaching that's on that paper. It sees, lets you see, you know, the, the, the whole point of the, the document. Similarly, like when we talk about transparency and speaking, the idea is that you speak in a way that your skin becomes transparent and we get to see what's inside. So we get to see we get to see the scars, we get to see the organs, we get to see the heart, the lungs, whatever you want to say. That transparency is 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 awesome because it's like, oh wow, yeah, you know what? I do have that same kind of thing. My stomach does hurt too. Like but when you cross the line to transparency, then somebody sees completely through you and they don't see you as a person at all. They're looking at a set of circumstances without a person behind it. So then that's when judgment comes in. Because yeah, if they don't yeah. see the person behind it, how could my pastor ever struggle with road rage? How could my pastor ever struggle with anything? How could he not love his wife every time? Have you seen her? She's amazing. And that's in those, in those scenarios when I feel like you fall into the translucent side where they're just seeing faults through a spectrum with no no person behind it. And that's... That's the that's the scary part because I think no matter what, when you're transparent from the stage, there's going to be some people that are going to take it translucently. They're going to be like, "Yeah, how how dare he have, you know, how dare he not like the Browns? How dare he not like the Buckeyes or whatever?" And you know, really, that's the that's the the you know the rub, you know, where you can you know where you have to split things. So, and I want to go on record and say, like, when we talk about transparency and vulnerability in reference to pastoral leadership society and the way the, the the way the american church has gone as of late it seems like pastors come to a point of vulnerability and transparency after they've been found out for some like crazy yeah. thing right some crazy sin and so now there's this connotation when a pastor says well, I need to be transparent. I'm going to be vulnerable. People automatically start to think the, the, of the absolute worst things. <clears throat> so when I say it, and and even when I when I preach that way, when I'm when I'm being transparent, I'm being transparent and vulnerable about the everyday things, because the process of that isn't just for big stuff. It isn't just like okay, well, hey, you know, Pastor So and So was caught. In immorality, you know, which is such a churchy thing to say. Uh, and then they say, okay, and now he's going to tell you exactly what happened. Yes, I'm not saying that that's not important. But when I'm talking about week in and week out, like there are moments when I did something on a Saturday night, the day before I'm allowed to stand up and preach and teach on a Sunday morning. And I'm teaching something and I'm like, you know what? And to be honest with you, I wasn't that great last night. I did this. But I had already gone through the process of of reconciliation, making it right before God and understanding what I did. And I think that's important. I think I think that's the thing that for us as pastors or really any any form of leader, mm-hmm. that's the part that I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's the, the big stuff. I think that there's this misconception that pastors, you know, they they reserve the the, the transparency for the big stuff. And it's like, no, I, I got really upset last night because our starting our starting quarterback threw the ball away for the fourth time. And, you know, I 
you know, I, I broke a glass and then I felt like an idiot because I can't believe I just did that with my son watching me do that mm-hmm. over a football game. Okay. And I'm and I'm okay saying that from the stage. And like you said, some people are going to be like, oh my gosh, I thought you'd have way more self-control than that. I thought you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't allow yourself to be that way. You know, they view it a certain way. And I'm like, well, you're right. I wish I did have more in that moment. And I didn't. But this is why I'm being I'm being open. And you have other people that come up to me and say, you know what? I, I like I like you because you're just like me, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. because I'm willing to say I made a mistake or I sinned or I did this in this way. So, you know, I, I think that's important to keep in mind, too. It's not just the big, heavy, juicy things that we talk about being being vulnerable or open or transparent. Yeah, and that's such a big point you made about, you know, for us. Growing up, growing up in church culture, going to going to college in church culture, um, meaning uh, knowing the big churches and knowing the, the 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 new emergent pastors and speakers and stuff. And I can, you know, when Marie and I were first married, we helped a, a good friend of ours um, and some people from our church, you know, plant a church uh, about an hour and a half away in Columbus. And I remember that time that was like I was deep into that world. So it was like, oh man, what's Matt Chandler saying or what's Stephen Furtick talking about, or what's the, I think I can think, think of the guy's name in Washington, D.C., uh, like, a, uh, it starts with a B. Um, but they were all writing books and doing these things, and um, there was this, almost like this foot, uh, this uh, pathway for, like, this is how you start a church, you're big, and you know, you seven, seven campuses and ten services, and, you know, all these people, and it's great. And so we were really trying to do our research and being like, okay, what, how do we codify the success between all these different people? And in a dream, bring it kind of now is I can see a lot of the people that were uh, in that era. Um, there's, I can name more than a few that have fallen from grace. We'll say it honestly. And almost every time when they fall from grace, we hear it. A lot of times it's, you know, it is sin that basically goes awry. But if you want to talk like root issues, it's like, they got too successful too quick and they not they forgot how to connect with their church and really with their families and they found connection transparency with the wrong areas whether it be a bottle or a girl another woman or you know just being abusive whatever what they whatever um, fuel they use for that and so you know that's a that's a fight I think for for leaders and I think even people in the church for transparency. I mean we've done things with our church. Um, what's that man club we did? Fight, fight club? club. There yeah. it is. We're not going to talk about it, but it's called Fight Club. And a lot of the stuff that was in there I thought was really great. You know you had to do a bunch of crazy stuff. You had to like you know do push ups and sit ups, and then you had to punch like dead animals or something. <laughs> uh, you had to do these crazy things. But one of the things they really pushed you to was emotionally to open up, and emotionally to fight and. You know, a lot of people shared some stuff. I personally shared some stuff that I would have never shared in, a, in an open forum before. But I really felt like that vulnerability in that time frame was important for me. And ever since then, I've had a lot of guys like say, okay, man, I, you know, I really appreciate that. But you can see sometimes when you, when you struggle with opening up, vulner- opening up or being vulnerable, especially in those cases of our friends that, you know, fallen away. A lot of it is because they either lost the ability to do it or never had it and nobody came to them. And, you know, that stuff can get pent up. And if you're if you're relying on yourself to fix yourself, 
Um, I'm going to tell you, it ain't going to work. Yeah. I think, too, um, <clears throat> it's really important to to understand when is the best time to be vulnerable and or you know or transparent you know we're using those interchangeably and so i've kind of like developed this little list of how i decide to do that i think the first thing is you know you you process your current issue privately you know and privately meaning between me and god or you know accountability partner or, or you know spouse um the second thing is you share publicly what you've processed privately so you don't you don't share it until you've processed you've processed it and then the third thing is you, you share in a way so that it'll help the listener and it really isn't just about it isn't just about you like you you want to share it in a way that that helps the listener and obviously for us as christ followers you want to help the listener get to god like this isn't just oh i shared it and it's off my chest i feel better it's like no we're sharing this so that we can get to a place where we can do something. We can do something about it. Um, and that's how I, that's how I, that's like the little short list of, of, I guess, rules, if you will, before I share something. But I think what I'd like to know is you've been in situations before where you've heard the pastor okay. preaching and was brave or had the courage to be vulnerable and to be transparent. And sometimes that was even me. So what, what do you, how do you process that when that happens? You know, it, it is different. I, I'm on, uh, my wife always gets on me because I'm a, just a hyper analytical person in the moment. Uh, and she's a processor. So she likes to listen and take notes. And then over, you know, a few days, like process what was said and, and figured out. Obviously she's smarter than me. So that's probably the better way to go. I kind of immediately will hear something go, ooh, that doesn't sound right, and uh, take that, you know, as the right way to react. And so, you know, I've always personally felt like when I see a pastor, when I see somebody talk about themselves, and it's not like I want to be like, oh, he's a regular guy, but just talk about themselves. I lean in because, like, just knowing the profession and knowing the, the pressure of, you know, the cloth, you want to call it the calling, uh, means that a lot of things that I, you like to do, like, let's just be honest, a lot of things that you like to do, you can't do. Like, I can do it. I'm not a pastor. <laughs> like, we don't got to get into it. But I can, I can do it. I'm not getting fired from my job if I do those things. Yeah. But there may be things that everybody, every pastor likes to do that aren't illegal, that aren't wrong, but really for the ministry are inappropriate or just not great for their um, testimony. Yeah. I'll give you a quick one. Like I remember the first time I said from the stage on a Sunday morning, you know, hi, hey, welcome everybody. We're, this is where we are today. And I was like, and can I be honest with you? I really don't feel like being here right now. Yeah. I really don't feel like being here. I really wish I could sleep in. Um, this is the last place I want to be, but you know, <laughs> let's turn to uh first Corinthians and you can see who's kind of like, wait a second, is he allowed to say that? Like, yeah. you know, like it's, and people forget that we feel that way. There are times when I'm like, you know, and and I'm and again right now it's gonna happen. I'll be I'll be open and honest. Like mm -hmm. there are times where I'm mad and jealous that 
so and so slept in on a Sunday morning. I'm yeah, like, man, like they're like, oh yeah, we didn't make it. We were just we retired from last night, and we, I stayed up late to watch the West Coast game, and, and I figured as well, I just catch the service online. I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. Yeah. But as a pastor, like, you be like, wait, are you allowed to say that? So that's just one. Or the sit- people that are like, after the first service, like, hey, I'm bouncing because we're going to the pool. Yeah. You're it's like, not- I want to leave too. Yeah. It's nice <laughs> out. I'm going to, yeah. So, you know, just to get you said, there's things that pastors wish that, you know, that, that that's just an easy one that I could think of. Like, I mean, the, the idea is that a pastor still has flesh. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like all of us. And so, you know, so when the, when I do see somebody open up, it is uh, something that I lean into, like, as far as, not that I'm cheering it on, but it's like, oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get something fresh that isn't like. I learned this tenant from seminary, and I'm processing it through the third chapter of Daniel, and you're gonna get illuminated text because I can tell you the Greek translation of this. And while that's great in education, it's also great to be like, man, I could have threw my kid out of the second story window yesterday because <laughs> I stepped on a Lego and I told him to keep him off the steps, and I didn't even, I haven't even looked at him yet. I'm still mad at him. Because my foot's bruised. And so, like, to me, I've always just loved that. Uh, and I think one of the people that I always continue to talk about on this is Matt Chandler. He does it really deftly in his conversation because it's it's in a self-deprecating manner. Um, and uh, But it's real. It's like, hey, man, I don't want to hug my kids some days when I come home from work. Or I don't want to. But I got to. And I don't want to do this. Or I don't want to go visit this person on Saturday because, you know what, my, my team's playing at noon and – yeah, I know I'm going to be there for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. And, and so having that's great. I will tell you, and, and I, I want to put a pin in it because something, because I want to share a story maybe towards the end uh, when a little bit of Dave Chappelle's When Keeping It Real Goes Wrong. I was at a conference. It was actually a, a church planners conference and, uh, in Orlando years ago, and uh, somebody was in the middle of something and was scheduled to speech, speak and probably should have said, I'm out. I'm not in the right frame of mind to speak. They took it on anyway, and it was it was pretty crazy. But we'll talk about that towards the end. So, but, are there any are there any things or times or certain things you hear that you would say, not just obviously from the from a pastoral perspective, but you know, and just in this case, let's think about let's think about the listener. So, our listeners are from all walks of life, mm-hmm. and obviously. We're piggybacking off of this conversation that we heard in another podcast about this whole idea that vulnerability is the accurate measure for courage. Um, another thing she said was like curiosity is vulnerability, like yeah. being being curious enough to say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to step on a ledge to do that. Or, you know, I think about when you first get when you when you first get married, you know, you're like, am I am I a lot like my wife's like, hey, I'm making this and you eat it. And, and she's like, what do you think? Like. I've only been married six months. Am I allowed to say that that was terrible? Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah. like you know, so just all of these different things. So what is, what was, what was some of the, what are some of the ways that we can help our listeners get to a place where they understand, believe and realize it's okay to be vulnerable and how vulnerability is actually a courageous thing. So I'm going to make, I hope there's a lot of pastors listening and if, or if you, know a pastor, you can send this this next two minutes to them because I'm going to make a public service announcement for all pastors from congregations. We know that you think your wife is hot. We got it. We got it. I know on Mother's Day, you know, the prettiest lady in the room, this and that, 
she's smoking hot, have her stand up. Like, we get it. You guys got a sex life. It's it's vibrant. Even if you're 50, <laughs> it's cool. You guys are still doing it. Even if you're 75. You know, whatever. You know, I know you're – but, you know, anytime I hear a pastor be like, come on, Mary Ann, stand up. Ooh, Mary Ann's smoking today. Got it. We got it. My wife's hot, too. I'm, that's why I married her. Like, we, we're all in the same boat here. That's not transparent. That's not bragging. The only people that are laughing are people that laugh at the dumbest things. Like, for the rest of us, leave it out. We got it. So, p- end of PSA on that. But really, that like, I think, I'm trying to think of a term that we can even use, but like fake transparency. Like, let me tell you about why I love my wife. Like, okay, maybe that's applicable in a certain thing. But if that is the calling card that you that you leave, like, that's not transparency and if anything, it you know when it's ingenuine like or disingenuous like that. Now we're doing now we're doing damage. Yeah. And 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 for the sake of forced transparency, now you're, you're going the other direction. So, I would say, for for the people for the people from the the pews, it does like it, it really is a less is more approach. If every sermon every teaching thing ends with you in tears or you telling something that's that may be you know super eye-opening like that's that fuel is going to run burn out quick and then it's going to be kind of you got to save that stuff for when it's really applicable and so to me like i always say like whatever you want to do run from it so if you're a really vulnerable person try privacy try speaking more out of vulnerability and more biblically focused. If you're a guy that just likes to exegetically to just break down verse and song and give two parallels in three languages of every six verses, like try talking about how your first grader is struggling with math and you can't help them because you stink at it too. You know, that's where I think like I always say run to the, to the place where you feel least comfortable as a speaker because I think that's where you're going to find authenticity. If you sit in where you're good at, like you see a lot of guys that are just great storytellers and they tell a bunch of stories and it's great, but you're in their church for two or three years and you're like, I haven't learned a thing. That isn't entertaining and I'm laughing, but at some point that just, the value of that dissipates. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because for me, and obviously you know this, like I am a very private person mm-hmm. and the fact that I am a public speaker and that I'm, I have a podcast and just like giving people a window into into different aspects of my life, like that's not something that is comfortable for me. So it's interesting that you say go the opposite. And I think that's why when this process of vulnerability and transparency first started for me, I felt so out of place because I'm like, this is the opposite of what I would do. And this is very uncomfortable. I don't like this. But I think that's why people responded the way um, they did because, like you said, you can tell when it's when there's a level of genuineness. Like what I just heard and what I just saw, that was a real thing. That wasn't that wasn't programming. Mm-hmm. That wasn't written into a sermon. Filler. Yeah, that wasn't. Yeah. So <clears throat> I really like that. I like that you talk about if you you know if you if you tend to do one thing go go the opposite way and and i think like you know obviously i want you to end with whatever that story is you have but like you know by way of encouragement is 
it really it really is a courageous thing when the motivation is right. And we say, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm motivated by the right thing, which means I'm going to be open and vulnerable right now. And I'm stepping out on a ledge. And if you're on the other end of it and you recognize that, don't, don't, don't step on it. Like, don't, don't ruin that moment because a person is, is being, being vulnerable. And even, even for those of you that are leaders, for those of us that are leaders, there's time when like another person on staff, when obviously you know this as an employee, they have a vulnerable moment and you have this temptation in the moment. Like I'm the leader, I'm the boss, I'm squelching that, get that out of here. When really we should celebrate it. We should celebrate the fact that that person was willing to say that and let's work through it. Let it breathe. Yeah. Well, as a, I wanted to ask you a question too uh, before even we go talk about a story. But like, um, have you ever had anybody so set the scene? Have you you speak either college class or, or married couples class or main service? And you have this, you speak, you have a, a vulnerable moment, you talk about something that's on your mind or going through or applicable to the servant. Have you ever had, like, has it ever gone wrong? Like, when you come out afterwards and, you know, you think, oh, man, I didn't share with everybody. Somebody comes up to you and says, you know that problem you talked about? I, I got a good solution for you. And has anybody ever come up with some something, like, crazy to come at you? Like, you know, hey, you know what you talked about, you and your wife, you're not being talking, you know what I like to do? And then... I uh, and surprisingly enough, and this is probably a boring answer, but I've never had that. I've never had anyone say, "Hey, I can help you with that." Um, but I will tell you, I've had a number of people say, "I'm glad you said that." I've had, I've had that a lot. I've also had people say, um, "You know, I understand why you said what you said, but maybe you shouldn't have said that." Uh, I've had that, and then the thing that I've had that is actually the hardest thing was I said something and somebody who is like, who always wants to fight theologically yeah, comes up to me and says, now, I know you said that and I don't know why you said that that way or if you thought you were being funny, but, you know, and then they want to get into a theological fight. Yeah. Um, I have had that a number of times, which, you know, isn't fun and fun at the same time. Yeah, because I don't mind debating those things, but then sometimes I'm like, you completely missed the point. But not nothing weird where it's like, hey, you know what? I can help you with that. Um, but those those two things. And I will say this too. Almost every time I'm vulnerable or transparent, I go to my office afterwards and I'm like, I shouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that. Maybe that was too much. Man, I wish I didn't say that. Man, I didn't I didn't mean to cry. I was, that wasn't my point. That wasn't planned. I ended up crying. Or, man, I wasn't expecting to yell that loud or yeah. go on this tangent. And I did. I was like, man, I shouldn't have done that. Man, I should have had more control. Man, I should have been able to hold that in. And almost every time I go through that, the Lord does something that's like, well, nope, I'm glad you did. Here's why. Here is the effect of that. Um, I do have another, like, a, just a funny story. But, I like, when uh, Marie and I were first married, um, before we had kids, and we were in the beginning stages of talking about having kids, wanting to have kids. And uh, I had a family reunion. And so my one side of my family, my dad's side, he has 10 brothers and sisters. And they all have a bunch of kids. So it's it's like a whole Wayne County Fair shows up um, when when uh, we do it. And we meet every summer and stuff. And so, you know, got got weird uncles, got weird aunts, got awesome friends, you know, cousins and everything. And so one of the things that was happening was uh, the topic was like, when are you guys going to have a kid? You know, whatever. And 
And my wife said, like, it's not like we're not trying, ha, 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 to kind of get everybody off the subject. And um, one of the things that we ended up doing was, you know, it became the topic of the of the reunion. And so we're over at my parents' house for swimming, and then one of my uncles comes up to me and was like, so, you guys are looking to have kids? And I was like, yeah. And he started, like, kind of giving me pointers. And I was like, well, like, whoa, Uncle Mike, like, we're not at this level where you're going to tell me how to have, like, consummate a kid or whatever. And he was like, I'm just saying, I'm saying, just draw a bubble bath. I was like, no, 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 we're not going there. We're not, like, nothing, no more conversation about this. Like, I know what I'm doing in that area. It's going to happen. I'm just trusting the Lord. He's like, you can trust the Lord. I'm just saying. And he was trying to tell me all this stuff. And I was like, Uncle Mike, we're good. And so uh, uh, <laughs> that always makes me laugh because when I was vulnerable with my family, I got unsolicited uh, childbearing uh, <laughs> advice from <laughs> uncles I talked to one time a year. Uh, and so it, it's always – that's the, the root of that question because it made me think of sometimes when I'm vulnerable or when you're open about something, somebody comes back with you like, hey, I wasn't – I wasn't telling you guys this so you can solve it, but somebody comes up and goes, hey, you know what I do? I, I rub oregano oil on my big toe, and yeah. I don't get headaches anymore. And so well, obviously, we know we have, like, I guess now that I have a little bit more context to your question, yeah. not – I don't have that from when it's something actually meaningful. I have it all the time when I said something in jest or something funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll make a joke about – Something like, you know, I don't understand why, you know, I, I always kind of make, make jokes about where we live. You know, the corn's always high and all the stuff. And, you know, and then I'll say something like that. And then I'll have, you know, a very respectful, mostly older gentleman come out to me and say, well, you know, I, I could I could bring you some I could bring you some corn, you know, if it's cooked and ready to go if you don't know how to do it. And I'm like, well, thanks, sir. But I was I was joking. That was an anecdote. No. Yeah, I wasn't, you know, or. <laughs> question you know or i'll i'll you know i'll make um you know i'll say something funny about about a sports thing and then mm-hmm. you know the next day i have you know i have a thing in my box with the university of miami sticker on it you know yeah. or and so that that happens all the time you know like wait a second i said that you know i said that it's a joke like people know i hate fruitcake and there's someone in this church that puts one put puts one in my box every christmas i don't even know who it is <laughs> and they and i know they're doing it just to mess with me yeah. because I'm very vocal about like I think fruitcake is dumb, and so they put one in my box every Christmas time. I'm like, I never got, never figure out who it is. We we have cameras now, so maybe I'll know who it is yeah, this there you year. Go. There you go. So yeah, I, I do have that. Yeah. So, All right. So what's this thing you want to so wrap so, this thing with? <laughs> I don't want to bring it too much, and I I'll, I want to preface the story by saying I, like I probably caught this guy's on one of his worst days. So this isn't you know this is. A funny anecdote, not my opinion of somebody, but uh, basically when we were first, me and Marie were first married, like I said, we went and helped a, a friend help plant a church. And one of the things that they did was they invited us to this church plant conference, which was awesome. I mean, newly married, we're in Orlando. Like, this is, I'm out, you know, get a week off of work and we're doing all the stuff that we've been, you know, we've been working on together and learning. And there's all these big name pastors there. And, and so it was like, wow, I get to really hear this guy speak or we get to have breakout sessions that uh, are really applicable to, you know, music and kids ministry and, and marketing and all stuff. It was like a boot camp for a week. It was so awesome. So we were pumped. And so what happened was there was uh, the keynote speaker for the event was Francis Chan. Uh, and this was like, this would have been like 2010, 2011. 
So this is like right after it was a crazy love. Yeah, crazy love. Which was like, you know That's what put him on the map, basically. The hunger games of uh Bible studies for college and career. Like everybody was like, You did you do that? It's like Twilight, like I'm aging myself now, but it's like, Do you read this? You and everybody was and, and you know, the way he spoke and or wrote, excuse me, and you know, then that was when podcasts were really becoming popular, so you could listen to them every Sunday, or they had videos, and so his star was ascending, um, for sure. And so he had this awesome church that was growing, growing, growing. And the week before the conference, he very shockingly stepped down from his church. And I guess, from all I remember, it was very shocking. It wasn't like, hey, this is a lot of stuff going on, whatever. And he stepped down, and there was all of this, like, why did what happened? Like it was just a shot, and so he's the keynote speaker of this this conference week long, and the whole time we're like, is this guy going to show up? There's no way he's showing up. There's just, you know, and it wasn't that we were thinking something nefarious. Like he was, he had something like type of sim issue. Like he spoke about it, and he was just like, I need to step away. Like this is whatever, and it was seemed like it was more <laughs> like of a burnt out. Like I've been charging for 10, 12 years. I gotta, I gotta take a sabbatical. I gotta breathe, and so. <laughs> I hate to even laugh about it. Uh, but this is when I say an episode of when keeping it real goes wrong. So he was like, you know what? I committed to this. I'm going to come do this. Because there was a couple thousand people there this conference. So <laughs> the last day he does the, 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 the keynote at the kind of the farewell big meeting. And I remember our buddy Cody was there with me. And uh, he he shouldn't have spoke because his emotions were still – percolating so his transparency turned into confusion because we were at a church planning conference and he started railing against church planning as an idea huh. was like we shouldn't be doing this we shouldn't be doing this we should be me- meeting in each other's living rooms and basements and he was having this kind of uh almost like i don't want to say a breakdown but really a a struggle with the big c church and being like we should be like missionaries into our neighborhoods and kind of, uh, what was the guy from Philadelphia that like, uh, he's, oh, I can't think of it. He's an evangelist that like makes his own clothes and got dreads, the white guy. Oh, he's like a new, uh, he's like a newer guy. No, he, he was around when we were in college. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know. Cody knows him really well, but it was, a, he was kind of a guy that's like, my mission is my neighborhood. <laughs> so he lived in like a down area of Philadelphia and his mm-hmm. church was like, you know, helping each other. And it was more, very much a communal type thing. And so Francis Chan is in like coming from like, you know, mega, mega, mega church. And he comes in and all these people that at this conference are like, hey, we left our cushy jobs to take no salaries to start a church. And for an hour and a half, he got us and tells us that we were doing everything wrong. Mm-hmm. And we're, we should just be doing this. And we should simplify <laughs> things. And we don't need music. And, and I felt bad because I, in the moment even, I was like, the guy just needs a break. Like he's just like, he's fried out. And his transparency, and afterwards people were very, I don't want to say upset, but they were very, like, confused. Like, yeah. why would you guys have this guy talk to us? We just did a week of training and, and building. And then the last guy that speaks is like, don't launch large. Don't do this. Don't spend your money on marketing. Like, go door-to-door and hug people, not door-to-door and give them stuff. And so it was, it was hilarious in that it was terrible. But it was almost, you see, like, transparency when it's wrong. Like, when you said earlier, what made me think of it was, like, get through the issue, reconcile, repent, gain perspective, share. 
sometimes people are in the middle of repenting or in the middle of reconciling. Or processing. Processing. That's the perfect word. And they share it. And it's like, boy, that's like, it's like pulling out the cookies before they're done. Like, you're not going to be able to, they're going to crumble and it's not going to make a lot of sense. And I, I just remember that so sharply being like, this guy needs to be as far away from a state. Yeah. I mean, he's a talented speaker. Yeah. And obviously he, you knew his heart. You knew yeah. That and it was just like, this guy heart. just needs to actually go to like Hawaii for two weeks <laughs> and stare at the beach and really collect himself because whatever is inside is, is, is completely run wild. And, and so that's the cautionary tale of transparency of somebody that's like, you know, in the middle of it. And it's like, I got something to say and, you got to be able to temper that because sometimes that's that's the bomb that blows up and, and hurts a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I, – I like that that analogy you just used um, about taking the cookies out before they're done. Uh, I think that's – I think that's a, a valuable lesson for all of us is it, it is – vulnerability is uncomfortable, but it is an accurate measure of courage. Mm-hmm. But it should take place – uh, especially for those of us that are leaders, after we've gone through some processing and we're really in a position to help people when they are vulnerable and help people go through or I should say get to where they need to get to after they've, when they're in the middle of a of a, of a difficult stretch. So yeah, I, I, I think this was good for us to just get this out and talk about it. Um, it was good. Like, it's interesting that, you know, you, you said that, that podcast to me after reading that that article and just um just the importance of that and i think you know the next time you the next time you hear a speaker or a pastor and you see they have that moment uh, just think about it think about the just think about what they're going through or maybe the process they've gone through and how you can mirror that as well so um yeah we appreciate that um just the listen and hopefully uh you got something out of this